Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Today, we are joined by our guest host, filmmaker Heather Lenz. She's a filmmaker best known for Kusama Infinity, a feature-length documentary about artist Yayoi Kusama that premiered at the Sundance Film Festival and received international distribution. Our guests today are Shauna Gazit and Marty Berelik, the filmmakers responsible for Ballerina Boys, which recently premiered on American Masters on PBS. Ballerina Boys is about an all-male ballet company that for 45 years has shared with audiences their passion for ballet classics while poking fun at the strictly gendered art form. Shauna Gazit is an award-winning documentary filmmaker whose work has won numerous awards, including three Emmys. Marty Berelik has taught dance since 1974 and is on the faculty of NYU's graduate program in dance education. It's a pleasure to have each of you here today. And Heather, thank you for bringing these lovely ladies on the show. Oh, thank you, Claire, so much for the introduction. And I'm thrilled to have these wonderful guests today to talk about this movie, which is just um, I've seen it twice, and it's just really terrific. Marty, would you like to start us off? I would love to hear how you got interested in this topic, and if you, uh, Claire already introduced it a little bit, but if you want to tell us anything else about what the film is about for anyone who hasn't seen it, that would be great. The film, hello, thank you, Heather. The film is about um, is about a dance company that was formed in 1974, in New York, um, in order to have by by people who loved adored ballet, and and they felt that they could have fun with it. 1974 in New York was a time when people were really having fun with art, and and these guys really wanted to have fun, and at the same time they adored ballet. And and some of them were great at it, and some of them would love to have been great at it. Um, and the reason we were able to do this was we felt that the institution of the trucks, which is the nickname that they use, was in itself a kind of American master. It was just so American. Anyhow, uh, that's that's that topic. Yep. Well, thank I would you. just add to that, when you think of 1974, really in the wake of the Stonewall riots, or the Stonewall uprising, and as many of the founders will say, is that that created a kind of a cultural opening and a, a, a cultural exuberance uh, and freedom that really... Um, 
allowed this kind of a company to form, which is it's all males dancing classic ballerinas. These these were men who wanted to be ballerinas um, on point. Um, so it's, I mean, some people call them the drag ballet company. I, I, I think they are... Um, I, I think that can be misleading because the technical level that they're dancing at is just so high and so sophisticated. And actually, you know, Marty as the dance person really allowed me to see that. So it's a as as so it's 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 a very unique cultural moment that gave rise to them, and then they somehow managed to survive. Yeah, it's a very compelling story. And as you mentioned, these dancers are incredibly athletic, very talented. And one thing they do that's very interesting is they infuse um, humor into ballet, which, of course, is not something you typically see. Would one of you like to talk a little bit about that combination of what they're doing? Well, I can start. Yes, I can start. Uh, Ballet is about rules. Uh, it's about it's about who gets to do what. It's it's how perfect the what is that you're doing. It's about um, it's about where you stand. It's about how you dress. <laughs> and everybody loves it. The people who do ballet love that structure. Um, but it is just so so easy, and it's so ripe, as Peter Master says, for making fun of because it's so. Um, it's inhumanly strict, and um, and uh, you know the the moment you're in ballet class and you realize you've made a mistake and you've gone right and 22 people have gone left, you realize that humor is here, that you have made a, a fool of yourself. It's perfect. Now the trucks the trucks get it, and and exploit it to to great effect. Yeah, their dancing is very, very impressive, very fun, to, very enjoyable to watch. I, I think also that um, people kind of uh, mistake uh, the humor as being, you know, there. Are, some people might say that that's somehow an insult to ballet, and but they come from such a reverence of ballet. And and really, the humor, unconventional as it is in a strict uh, ballet way, really kind of pays homage to uh, to the the dance form, uh, especially as what they do is really revive very old, very classical ballets. And um, earlier, you talked a little bit about what was happening in 1974. Um, the Stonewall Riots were mentioned. Shauna, for anyone who doesn't know what the Stonewall Riots were, could you just explain that? Yeah, I mean, this was at a time when uh, when it, it, uh, many states throughout this country had laws on the books that uh, prohibited men from wearing women's clothes. You could get arrested for that. So it was a very uh, kind of anti, 
uh, gay or just the beginning of the emergence of the the gay movement. And Stonewall was a was a tavern, and that's where um, people gathered. And especially, they talk about how they gathered that there because they loved to dance. Um, and that was one of the forums that that they could go to for that and uh and the police uh raided the tavern as they had done very uh often in the past and for other places as well but this time it, it was enough it was enough and essentially the clientele and their supporters really fought back and um Many people credit this, the, that moment in time as really the ignition point for the gay rights movement. Thank you for um, explaining that. And um, M- Marty, could you talk about the first time that you heard of this group or saw them perform? And I'm also curious if you knew anyone in the group before deciding to make the movie. Um uh i've been i've been following the tracks for maybe twenty five years as a wow. person i i have loved them for that long um and um and then <laughs> in december two thousand fourteen i decided to invite Shauna to see the tracks on new year's eve day and uh or new year's eve i think it was and um and that the rest is history. I think she liked them a lot. You want to elaborate on that, Shana? Uh, yeah, it, it was. I mean, I was totally enchanted and and mesmerized. And it was important to see them with Marty because it was important to understand what they were doing in terms of dance, in terms of parody, in terms of a homage, a homage to ballet. Uh, and um, really, uh, you know, must have been a week later that Marty turned around and said, do you think there's a film here? And we both looked at each other and we said, yeah, we think we think there is. And that started us on this crazy uh, journey to try and get a film about them made. So it took us it took us over six years to um, to get the film made, and it it was truly a labor of love. Um, and, and to we, address. Oh, sorry. To address that, that. go ahead, go ahead, Marty. Oh, to address the end of your question, um, we didn't know anybody. I sent a cold email, absolutely cold, freezing email to their wonderful, um, their wonderful company manager, and said, "Hey, here's an idea. What do you think?" I figured it would go down the memory slot and be lost forever, and it wasn't, which was just wonderful. Well, I'm so glad you got to make the film. I know these things often take a long time, longer than many people often appreciate. So um, it's helpful to understand that you were you worked on it for six years. Um, and during the time that you were working on it, what was the most surprising thing you learned about this group? And um, I guess, uh, Shauna, I'll let you start. And then, Marty, you can tell us you mm-hmm. know, the same. What, what was the most surprising thing? Well, 
the the most uh surprising and i and i would say inspiring thing was their ability to survive for 45 years i mean how many small dance companies have come and gone in that period and and a lot of this is is they've had this extraordinary um artistic director Tori Dobrin who has really just kind of kept this company going and so just the story of survival the story about how they both reflected and fueled what was happening in the culture um was something that was you know really interesting and 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 inspiring on a personal level since I'm not a dance person you know we went on the road with them uh and uh just to go on tour <laughs> with this company that you know literally we went on tour with them in um North and South Carolina and just to see what it's like to be on tour for this company to put a very sophisticated show together at a different place every night and to see the the hard work that they put into this i mean these dancers by the time the curtain opens for the performance have spent all day in class and in rehearsal and in and in staging and then bang the the curtains open and and it's for the most part a flawless performance and to me that was just stunning really uh, uh probably less so to marty who's who's more familiar with touring it's interesting i was going to immediately talk about tori also um Tori's Tori's management style for a dance company has been kind of revolutionary, and that's what surprised me. You think about a dance company, and and you think, oh, hierarchy. You know, there's the, the core ballerinas, and then there's the next level, and there's prima ballerina, and there's that kind of stuff. Tori thought to himself when he took over this job 25, 26, 27 years ago, maybe, um, that that he wanted everybody to get along and and he made everybody if they could technically do it he made everybody learn every part and so so the leads kept switching around that's why in the film you'll see two one person at rehearsal dancing for and you'll see two other people in the back kind of marking it because they're going to be doing it two nights later um and the, what that does for sort of company ethics and company morale is really unheard of in ballet. So that's what, what surprised me. Yeah, I thought that was also very interesting. And um, just so you know, we're getting a little bit of static um, for you, Marty, when you speak. So I may direct okay. a few more questions towards Shauna just because yes. of the – just to keep the audio clear. So, yep. Shauna – could you talk a little bit about the way the trucks were ahead of their time in terms of um, the diversity of their dancers and things like that? Oh. <laughs> it, oh, it, that's it, a dance it, question. Should I ask Marty? Even though we have a little it, it, It'd be great part. to ask Marty. I'm happy okay. to do yeah, it. But, yeah. but Marty, do you okay. want to give it a, give it a shot? Yeah, yeah, and you know what? And if my audio is bad, you just tell me, and I'll turn it over to Shauna. Um, okay. So, 
the um, the the ahead of their time was was putting bodies of all kinds on the stage in classical ballets. Um, you know, bodies that were thin, bodies that were short, bodies that were tall, bodies that were very chubby and plush, um, and uh, and also uh, on in on another another form of diversity was that that they brought they brought gayness to to the country years ago when people came to see the trucks in like Chicago in 1980 85 they it was probably the first time they'd seen met gay people and um this was certainly i don't know if it was ahead of its time i think it was it was pioneering that's what i think um but to have the wonderful anthony basset the 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 short chubby black beautiful ballerina play the the swan in Swan Lake, that was ahead of its time. It was really kind of, uh, I think, shocking for people to see that, and and then of course they loved it. I, it so the company is very racially diverse, and really right now, and it's been that way for a while. Um, it's very international. People come from literally all over the world to join the company. I mean, we could we could name, you know, countries at this point that are represented uh, in the dancers. I mean, all the way from South Africa to China to Canary Islands to Ireland. I mean, it's very international, and it's it's always fascinating to me how, you know, a little boy growing up on the Canary Islands finds out about the trucks yep. and feels it as a magnet uh, to come to New York and then, of course, lives the dream by by being accepted into the company. But they really are an international phenomenon at this point. And uh, this movie is just absolutely beautifully shot, and you've mentioned that you went on tour with the trucks. How much time did you spend with them over the course of the six years you were making the film, um, filming them? So the uh, the tour itself was about two and a half weeks where, uh, you know, we rode on the bus with them and, you know, ate with them uh, and checked into the hotels and, you know, we really lived with them uh, and, and filmed nonstop. And then periodically over the six years, we we would film. Um, a lot of it had depended on what funding we had been able to raise at that particular year to allow us to film. But it is I, it is something that we it is uh, a film that really uh, developed over six years was really shot over six years, including our last interview, which was shot in uh, June of 2020, which was of course right in the height of the pandemic. Uh, so we we really <laughs> we really kind of covered it all. Yeah, well, I think it really shows you did such a great job. And there are just so many compelling people featured in this film. I have to say for myself, Philip really stole my heart. And I'm wondering if one of you could talk a little bit about his background. 
Marty, do you want to give it a shot? Sure, I can. I can start. Um, Philip uh, grew up in in sort sort of upstate New York. He um, <laughs> he was a little boy who wanted to be a princess or a ballerina, and um, and was very very active. And didn't like the sports that his mom wanted to put him in. Um, he was raised mostly by a single mom, and um, and uh, the, the brilliant single mom got him to ballet class, and that that was pretty much it. Um, he often said, "Marty, I'm just going to interject the key piece is his autism." Right, and of course. And and so you've got this kid at five years old who could barely say five words. Right. Uh, So he was really um, debilitated by the autism, and there was something about, you know, so as Marty said, uh, his mother kind of, you know, after she tried getting him into every sports she can think of, gymnastics, anything she can think of, and really all he wanted to do was ballet, um, finally got him into a ballet class. And that seems to have really just um, allowed him to to blossom. Um, and he he was lucky to find a really excellent ballet teacher. Um, who who nurtured him beyond beyond you know expectations? Her name is Natasha Barr, and um, and she she trained this this youngster up to to get into School of American Ballet. It was pretty amazing. I think it's also really heartwarming to see him pass his knowledge along to the next generation. So it's a really strong part of the film. Um, and I'm wondering I, if one I, of I you could just, talk. Oh, I go ahead. I interject for one second. I'm always really touched by that scene, which is him teaching a class of autistic kids. Because for me as a non-dancer, to understand how primal dance is, I don't think I understood that quite as well as when we filmed that scene. And I saw what, you know, how basic dance is kind of to the human species, you know, to the, to the, and, and, and how nourishing it is to, to the human psyche. Yeah, and, it's, and a, it's a really strong scene. Before we leave the subject of Philip, um, it would be great if everybody listening to this could go see Philip live on their domestic tour next spring. Um, Philip is possibly the most musical dancer I have ever seen, and he's worth the trip. Well, sounds good. Anyone who gets to see him, that will be certainly a treat. Mm -hmm. And um, there's there's um, a fair amount of archival photos and footage um, in the film, and I was just wondering if one of you could talk a little bit about the process of gathering those materials. We were very fortunate uh, that the Trox, as an institution, has done a really good job of, of keeping an archive. So a lot of that material was literally just handed over to us. I mean, there was so much of it that our job was 
was to kind of winnow it down and uh, and to kind of figure out narratively what it was that that we needed. Um, and uh, and 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 Marty kind of connected with former trucks who provided us materials, and um, so we really, I mean, there was a tiny bit of uh, material that we got from the standard sources, but most of this was unconventional sources. Marty dug up met um, a photographer. Um, who was working for the New York Times, right, Marty? Uh, Who was sent to photograph them in 1975. And she has incredible photographs of them. So so, uh, really, uh, Marty did a lot of that digging. Well, it's wonderful they kept uh, great archives for you to use. Um, It really benefits the film. Uh, So I first saw this film on PBS, and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the process of getting it onto PBS. I mean, that's something that's very desirable. A lot of filmmakers hoped. So if you could talk about your experience, that would be wonderful. Well, we, uh, you know, for five of the six years that we spent trying to get the the film done, we were really pretty much on our own for fundraising. And uh, it was really in 2020 that we we had approached American Masters um, two years earlier, and we knew that it was really a long shot because. As Marty said, the American master here is a company, not a person. Um, and uh, so uh, there was very tentative interest when we first approached them, and then kind of uh, things were quiet for for a long time. And in 2020, um, they really uh, reached out to us and said, look, we, we need a film um, – by the end of the year, uh, do you have enough material? Do you think you could you could finish the film by the end of the year? And uh, you know, we took one glance at each other and said, "Yes, <laughs> we can do it." And so they provided the the, the funding to finish the film, um, and and then it became an American Masters. Well, it's, I'm so happy that happened for you. And obviously, so many times um, a filmmaker is able to finish if they have the funding, and that's the key, the key thing that's lacking. So I'm so glad they provided it because it just it turned out so well. It's such a great film. And um, and, and uh, so, we really couldn't have done it without them, you know. And uh, and the series is such a wonderful series. To be part of that was just great. Yeah, absolutely. And for anyone who would like to see the movie, could you talk a little bit about where they could see it now? Marty, you want to take that? Sure. Um, Local public TV stations uh, have it in their their libraries now. Uh, They are show libraries under American Masters. What you need to see it is you need what it's called a passport, which means you're a subscriber to your station. Um, 
there are certainly our DVDs available. We will make we'll make sure that our um, her information about getting DVDs is up to date on the site, um, and we will have on-demand streaming as soon as we can. So I think that, uh, Marty, you were suggesting that the website uh, mm-hmm. is probably a really good resource to figure out how to see the film and where to see mm-hmm. the film. And so the website is, Marty? Is ballerinaboysfilm.com. Terrific. So people can go check out your website, ballerina. Say it one more time, ballerinaboy.com or boys? Ballerinaboysfilm.com. Okay, Ballerinaboys, B-O-Y-S, film.com. Wonderful. And would you like to share your social media handles or hashtags you're using? No. <laughs> Thank you. No? Okay. Okay. All right. I mean, they're, they're on can... the website. Okay, great. So, okay, great. All of that is yeah, on, yeah, on, you can, on the I'm website. Sorry, you can you can contact us via the website, sure. All right. And then is there anything you would like to tell us about the movie that I didn't ask you already? Oh. We I would like to mention that this film could not have been itself without our director of photography and our editor. Um, our director of photography is Claudia Roschke, and uh, she she's wonderful. Her her latest famous film is is RBG, um, and now and now Ballerina Boys, and our editor is uh, Donna Shepard, and between the two of them, um, they they made what this film looks like. So we are very grateful to them. We we yeah, didn't set out. Wonderful. We didn't set out to have an all women <laughs> team, but we had an all women team. It was wonderful. Well, great. That's that's also progressive. Um and I know after you've been working on something so long, there's still a lot of work getting it out into the world and promoting it and doing the kinds of things you're doing here today. But um, if you are working on anything new you would like to talk about, I also want to give you the opportunity to do that. Well, as as you know the life of a filmmaker, there's any number of things in development. So uh, that... uh, probably early to report on anything specifically. But we really were, we, we delivered the film at the end of 2020, in December 2020, and have spent really all of 2021 setting up the infrastructure to get it out into the world. Um, so it's, um, as the other part of filmmaking they don't tell you about it, <laughs> there's a whole level of, of, of work to be done just to get it, you know, distributed, promoted, um, all of that. So it's 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 virtually been a, a full time job. But I, I just have to say one last thing I wanna say is that um people have asked us um many times what kept us going with this film because God knows we had 
so many down moments where we said, this is crazy, what are we doing, we should walk away. And and the thing I think that really kept us in is that the company made us happy. You know, it was just joyous to be in proximity to them. And 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 I just hope the film captures some of that joyousness and, and kind of um, the viewer is able to extract some of the joy that we were able to feel uh, in, in, in making a film about them. Yeah, I, absolutely. I have to say for me, I, I definitely think that comes through. I mean, it's just, it's a wonderful, positive film, and it's just a joy to watch it. So I hope everyone gets to see it. And I want to thank you so much for coming and taking time out of your busy schedules to be here today and tell us about the film. Oh, I also, Claire, if there if you had any questions you wanted to ask uh, before we wrap up, I wanted to give you also the opportunity to do that. Yes, thank you so much. I'm glad you asked. Um, I was wondering whether or not there was anything uh, in particular that you felt especially helped you to raise the funds for your film that could be useful for other filmmakers. Oh, boy. Uh, Actually, hmm, I, I... you know, I think that a you know a well written um, kind of uh, two pager was really helpful. Marty's a great writer. Uh, we we had a hard time with this film because the film kind of was somewhere straddled cultural and you know kind of social issue, and uh, and 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 that really presented uh, a challenge to us. Um, I think that um, having had a film that was strictly social issue would not have been easy. Fundraising is never easy, but it it would have had a kind of a clarity for funders that this funny hybrid did not. Um, so I think, the, you know, I don't know, we were just, you know, persistent. You know, we were just kind of mm-hmm. in love and persistent. Mm. Good, good. Yeah. Well, persistence is always very, very important to getting a film made. So um, I'm so glad that you, you know, had wonderful subjects that were a joy to be around. You made it, um, you know, easier for you to hang in there while you waited for the money. So, so thank you again, and um, thank you, Claire, for handling all the technical things that needed to happen today. And uh, I'll let Claire close it out. Thank you, Heather. All right. Thank you, yes, ladies. And thank you so much. Very welcome. Very welcome. Joy to have you. All right. right. Be well, everybody. everyone. Yes, you too. Stay safe. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, 
and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to the Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone. <laughs>